This is Freelance Feels, a podcast for anyone who is self-employed, freelance or thinking about it. My name's Jenny Stallard, I'm a freelance lifestyle journalist and I founded Freelance Feels in 2019 as a response to my own mental health challenges. The idea behind Freelance Feels is to show freelance life in all its reality, from the down moments to the yay ones, and share other people's stories as well so we all feel less alone in the self-employed world. Each episode I speak to a different freelancer, self-employed person or entrepreneur about their work and mental health, exploring their story, their challenges and triumphs, as well as getting valuable advice from them. Freelance Feels is also a newsletter, freelancefeels.substack.com and on social media at freelance underscore feels. Please do come and find me on Instagram and let me know how you're getting on with your freelance journey. If you enjoy the podcast, please do rate and review it. And now, on with the episode. Freelance Feels, the podcast for humans who work for themselves. This is a special episode for World Bipolar Day and I am speaking to Sarah Owen. Hello Sarah, welcome to Freelance Feels. Thank you. Hi Jenny. Hello. Um, Would you like to start by telling everybody what your freelance is and if indeed you use the word freelance to describe what you do? I do. I would say I'm a health and beauty writer, freelance, Mm. um, mainly health, um, health journalist. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Yeah. Have you always been freelance? Is this something, a long-term thing for you or a recent thing? What's your journey to freelance life? Well, um, I started off applying for work experience when I was 22. I sent off 30 letters wow. at random publications and I got two replies, one from Cosmopolitan magazine Ooh and one from the Sun newspaper. And they were both inviting me for two week work experience placement um, the summer after I finished uni. And it was the same two week period, um, funnily enough. So I couldn't do both and I chose Cosmo because I just thought that was more natural fit because I read Cosmo at the time, so. Oh, I totally have chosen Cosmo. Oh my God, With, yeah. I did work experience with a new woman. There's always something that comes up where I'm like showing my age. You know, I, I got work experience with a new woman was one of my first ones. And I was like, oh God, yeah, I was just so slight tangent, but I love that you sent off letters. I'm sure there'll be people listening going, what? Like, well, this was 1994. So yeah. um, yes, it was definitely a printer. Um, I, I didn't even have a printer. I had to go to a shop where they had the printer and printed them out for me um envelopes and stamps and everything yeah that's how life was wasn't it I love that I love a letter I love a card so I'm all into paper stuff anyway but um so did did you work in in magazines for a while before you then went freelance what when did you go freelance well I stayed at Cosmo for three years I was the the work experience girl who never left (laughs) Um, I was very good at making tea and getting Dunkin' Donuts and um, just generally being really helpful in the beauty cupboard. And uh, then I was offered the job as assistant. And then, um, so I worked under Marcel Dargy-Smith and also Mandy Norwood. And I learned a lot, so much. And from the direct team around me, um, I just, um, it was such a good lucky break kind of thing. And then, the reason I left was because my husband and I had got married in the meantime. 
um, really young compared to a lot of my peers. I was only 25 at this point. And we decided it was now or never, we went backpacking. Cool. So off we went with our rucksacks and we went for a year. And I was always planning to come back and hopefully find another job on another magazine. That was my plan. Um, Because obviously by then I had a lot of contacts Mm. in the magazine world. Because particularly back then it was all about who who you knew. Yes. And, um, but my happy accident, um, while we were traveling, I found out I was pregnant in Peru. So um, we came back and we had, (laughs) oh no, it sounds good, doesn't it? Pregnant in Peru. So like little homing pigeons, we had to come back and be grown-ups and um, find somewhere to live and find jobs and find some money. And, uh, you know, we we literally had backpacks. So it was like, "Mm, okay, so maybe we'll better go and be a bit more sorted. And that's when I went freelance. I made that decision. I had a few um, few lovely placements while I was pregnant, which was fun. But I had seen at Cosmo, um, my boss at the time in particular, had three small children. Mm-hmm. And I saw how difficult it was for her to be a mother and have that big job. Mm-hmm. Um, and how... She was basically doing two full-time jobs and I just thought, yeah, I'm going to choose something different. And so I went freelance um, right from then. And uh, when I went into labour, I was writing a feature about Winkly Necks for the Express. And it's a standing joke that because I went into labour three and a half weeks early, I came home and finished off the feature (laughs) about Winkly Necks. as important that subject is so um yeah and then I've just been freelance ever since and my eldest is now 22 so that's quite a few years under my belt definitely the life for you you're a committed you're in a long-term relationship with freelancing (laughs) I think so yeah I um pros and cons all the way but yes it's definitely the the option I prefer I love the freedom above above and beyond anything else Brilliant. Oh, lovely. And of course, you're an author as well. So we're talking today for World Bipolar Day. um, And your book is Bipolar Disorder, The Ultimate Guide, which you wrote with your cousin, I believe. Is that right? I did. The amazing Amanda Saunders. She's my cousin. Um, So her mum and my dad were siblings. Mm. And um, so, yes, we have... The reason we wrote the book in the first place is because we discovered that um, her mum had bipolar, mm-hmm. my dad had bipolar. We don't know for certain, but just from the stories that have filtered down through the family, it seems like our shared grandfather had bipolar. Mm-hmm. My sister has bipolar. Um, Amanda herself has cyclothemia, which is a milder form of bipolar. Mm-hmm. And then now, more recently, my son has been diagnosed with bipolar. So four generations of our family um, have bipolar. And obviously, there's a huge genetic component. Mm. And we wrote the book. Um, well, it was published in 2008, the initial um, edition. And we wrote it because we had so many questions. And obviously, as a writer, 
and Amanda's a writer as well. And we just felt like um, all the years of pain mm. and struggle and challenges that our families had been through, that somehow we wanted to turn all of that pain into something more positive. Mm. Um, and, and secondly, um, we wanted, because she has three children, I have three sons, and we wanted to arm ourselves with the knowledge so that if any of our children were to be diagnosed, that we would feel empowered somehow um, with that knowledge. Wonderful. I mean, that's, a, that's, I mean, well, there's probably a lot of people listening that may be in a similar situation or may have a family member as well. And it's, it, it, does it feel, how does it feel to list the people from the family that are, have been affected that obviously then drove you to write the book? Does it feel strange to, to, to list all those, the, the, the people? How does that feel to sort of say out loud all the different members of your family that have been touched by this? I can completely understand why you're asking that. Um, but I think because I wrote, we wrote the book in mm. 2008, um, one of our missions, if you like, mm. was to try and help play our little tiny part in erasing stigma. Yes. Because for me, any person who ever says I have bipolar mm. or my loved one has bipolar that is those words are so powerful and it's just helping normalize it every well-known person who announces or not announces but just shares that they have bipolar that's helping to erase the stigma and it's only um, the drip drip effect of it over time that will really help to make a difference and i really do believe that there are you know all the stigma campaigns are incredible um, but it really is everybody um, every individual can play a part in that that's really wow I feel quite very moved by you saying that thank you for your honest answer and um, I wondered if you could explain for those who don't know a little bit more about bipolar because I think especially considering it's World Bipolar Day I think it'd be really nice if you would might wouldn't mind kind of yeah for those who might be like well I, I've heard of it but I couldn't define it myself those that kind of how would you describe it let, let sort of to clarify for those who are unsure and might want to be a better ally to those with bipolar i think actually that's quite common that people have heard of it it's much more kind of that word is out there isn't it and um pro probably considering one in 50 people in the uk have bipolar mm -hmm. um, it's very likely we all know someone with the condition but i think um it's it's also quite likely that there's a lot of um, misunderstanding as to what it actually is. Um, it is a form of depression mm -hmm. um, where mood swings are um, a big feature. So someone can go very low into depression, which exactly mirrors unipolar depression in a lot of the features. So someone would feel very down and um, unmotivated and tired. Um, and that's why it can often be misdiagnosed actually as depression, mm. because people often go to their GP with that first symptom of depression. And so it can, commonly it's misdiagnosed. But then the feature, the distinguishing feature of bipolar um, is that 
the two poles, so the bipolarity, is that someone can also go high, mm -hmm. where they have racing thoughts, um, maybe they can't sleep, and um, they be can become very impulsive, um, and maybe um, their um, perception of risk changes. Um, and then also there's what's called a mixed state. So you've got your two poles and some people with bipolar can experience those two things together. So they can have features of both as well. So, yeah, and it needs very different medication actually to bipolar because I always think the one thing if I could um, communicate is that someone with bipolar, if they are given just antidepressants, mm -hmm. it can trigger mania. So they might, a very common scenario actually, and this is what happened to Amanda's mum, is that she went to the GP feeling very depressed mm -hmm. and the GP prescribed antidepressants. And then over time that triggered a mania because it, the bipolar part of it hadn't been recognized. And that's very common. It's less and less common, but it still happens surprisingly often. Gosh, that's really fascinating. And when you say unipolar depression, do you, is that what most people would call depression? Yeah. Yes, because I thought yes. people would hear that and say, oh, what's that? So yeah. that's, that's, yes, so yeah. I've never really it's thought about the uni in yes. but that makes a yes. lot of sense when you say yeah. that. Wow, I'm really, I was hoping this would happen. Part of the reason I wanted to chat to you was I thought, well, I'd like to educate myself, to be honest. So um, I'm so grateful to you for helping me learn some some information as well um so you're freelance obviously you probably meet a lot of freelancers and freelance feels is all about the realities of freelancing and our mental health and i know for some people that can probably be a bit of a small thing not to bring anything into sort of small and big but yes somebody might have some some nerves about over comparison and that's that's you know their mental health is perhaps self-care isn't high on the agenda but for other people who are freelance they're freelance and they have bipolar um and I'd love to get more of your thoughts on being a freelancer and managing it, I guess, from anybody that you might know or any experiences you've had, but also advice for people who might be on the freelance journey and perhaps have just had a diagnosis and not be sure what they want to do next. It might have been affecting their freelance life. I don't know where you'd like to begin with that question, really. I, I guess sort of, yeah, let's talk freelancing and and bipolar really what, what, what do you think about all of that is that too big a question do you want me to make it uh, no I think it's a great question and I think for you know I the way I look at it is that there are no them or us we're mm. all on the spectrum and um for someone like me with my genetic family tree I really have to um look at how I'm feeling and be self-aware of um, if I'm taking on too much work because obviously my genetic risk of becoming unwell, mm -hmm. um, the mood disorder is much higher than someone without anyone in their family. So for me, it's a really important question. Um, and what I would say is someone with bipolar, when, so you can have episodes of being unwell when you either go high or low, mm. and then you can have periods of stability. And those periods of stability can be a month, a year, 10 years, 15 years. It really is um, very unique to each individual. Mm. So um, 
someone with bipolar when they're stable obviously um they would just get on with their freelance life in the same way however what you can do and i think this applies to me even without a diagnosis i can look at all my protective factors as can someone with a diagnosis mm -hmm. to stop an episode coming on to help prevent it mm -hmm. so obviously if you have bipolar one of the first things will be your medication possibly to go with that therapy because those two things really do go hand in hand and then all of the self-care things like i call them the holy trinity Ooh. of sleep sleep is the first one diet and exercise i mean this is it in our book you know it's it's almost like it's not rocket science these things and this but there is science behind why all these things are so important you know and they seem like some basic things, don't they? And people sort of think, well, how can you not manage to get those things? But it's really easy to neglect those things, especially when you're, I mean, I'm going to say self-employed, but also I guess for anyone who's listening, who's, who's working from home long-term, which is, you know, a lot of the country still, you know, that they're easy to neglect, aren't they? We've, we've all got a lot of things on our minds and all of that stuff. So yeah, the Holy Trinity can be, would you say it's true as well that if you neglect one, the others can also suffer? So, you know, you're not getting the right diet, your sleep might suffer, or you're not sleeping well enough. You might rely on less of a healthy meal plan to get you through the day. You know, suddenly you're like, give me the carbs. They sort of need to work together as a trio, don't they? They really do. And for me, the cornerstone is the sleep. Mm -hmm. Because um, I, I, I always think I'm not very sleep elastic. Um, I don't know I think I've stolen that phrase from somewhere but I can't remember where but um, it's a, if I have a lack of sleep it really affects me very quickly and so I have to be so disciplined with that and um, I and I know um, for example a lot of people with bipolar are really affected by the light and there's often a big link with um, seasonal affective disorder mm. and obviously that we're at the infancy of research as to how light affects the brain and affects sleep patterns and all of that but I think in the coming years more and more research will emerge showing how all these things somehow link together but what I do know is that I um, for example, um, when the clocks change, mm -hmm. they changed last weekend, yeah. then I had to really think about, um, right, that hour, how can I make sure I don't miss my hour of sleep? Mm. And, I, and if I do miss an hour, um, then I have to look at catching up a little bit the next night or just being really mindful of mm. that so that um, is the foundation to... Um, yeah, like you say, to then wake up um, and have a good breakfast rather than wake up late and then grab something or maybe not have something at all and then, oh, I can't fit an exercise because I'm behind and that kind of thing. It's making, it's prioritising it, I think. That for me, it's all about above and beyond anything. That's my priority because I'm so much more productive. You know, if I'm tired, then... Um, I'll take three hours to write something that would have taken me half an hour if I'd have got to sleep, if I'd have had a good breakfast and if I'd have gone for a nice dog walk kind of thing. Yeah, so, so hearing you on that. It's like, and you know that moment, don't you, where you, 
like it's funny because if anyone's got I don't have kids but I know lots of people with children it's like they get to that point where you can see that they've let themselves get too tired and they just kind of want to collapse on the floor and that's when the tantrum comes and I think we have that as adults and it's like you were just saying you know it suddenly catches up with you and you're just like I've had enough today and if you're dealing with a mental health diagnosis or condition that that's way way harder isn't it you know that that is yeah, I think it's if you have a mental health condition, then the priority becomes even more important. Mm -hmm. you, know, um, you can get away with less. You can get away with, you know, you, you, yeah. Do you think there's something in the idea that being freelance can be beneficial if you're somebody who has a mental health condition? Um, a recent guest was saying to me that she finds it works for her because she can say I'm taking a mental health day but she knows she can just catch up the next day or put something to one side so would you say and have you witnessed people that you meet with bipolar disorder who might say yeah being freelance works for me because I don't have to say to my boss I'm having a really difficult day and they don't have to be accountable to so many people in the company for example and that kind of thing is, is freelancing a good option in that way what do you think about that? I think so, that you have more agency. For example, um, there's research showing that we're all larks and owls. Mm. And so, you know, um, for me, definitely, I prefer an earlier start, um, earlier finish, mm. where someone else might be the reverse. And I'm so I think my hand more kind of... <laughs> Yeah, funnily enough, when Amanda and I were writing the book, we're definitely the reverse. And sometimes it was quite <laughs> trying to find our um, times for a for a call um, was quite tricky because it was almost like we were on in different time zones. But um, I so you have more agency over your time, don't you? But I also think on the flip side of the coin, that being freelance can sometimes put you under more pressure mm. because you don't get sick pay. Um, unless you have insurance um, and you can sometimes um, or certainly for me if I speak for myself I'll find myself saying yes to work that I can't really fit in because mm. you never kind of quite know where the next work is coming from um, which I, I think as I've got older I'm less and less um, worried about that because somehow work does always <laughs> turn up eventually um, but certainly you know I've had those holidays from work where instead of enjoying it um, I'm I'm looking for work and and feeling worried about where the next job comes from so mm -hmm. I think it really is swings and roundabouts yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah it's funny isn't it because I guess if you were in yeah it's like that thing I struggle to find another word for um for not freelance, like full-time job, staff job. But yeah, at least those days where we've all been there, you're in the office and you're not feeling okay. Well, we coast a bit because you know, you know you're still getting paid and you might you know, think, well, I'll catch up tomorrow, but I don't have to worry. But when you're freelance, I guess you're thinking, well, I've got to look after myself, my mental health and generate my income. You're right, it's a, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? I wondered um, if you had any practical advice. I love practical tips on, on freelance fields. And I wondered if you had any practical advice for people who might be either newly diagnosed or perhaps struggling with their bipolar and who are freelance, what perhaps they can try and do to find a bit more balance. You've mentioned the Holy Trinity there. Did you want to expand on that? Or is there any other tips that you've got where people might 
take some advice on the matter? Well, I think the holy trinity of sleep, diet, exercise speaks for itself, really. I mean, we, I don't think there's anyone around who um, hasn't heard a million tips about all of those things. Um, I think for me, being freelance is to, and if you're, you have a specific set of needs, um, mm. say with the diagnosis of bipolar, is to have a almost a, a buddy, a freelance buddy, mm. someone who really understands. I've got a couple actually on, on Greedy, um, both my cousin Amanda and my friend Charlotte. Um, they both are freelance and they both um, know me really well and I don't have to fake it with them. I can really um, moan, whinge, um, just express how I'm feeling and just having... Because I think unless you're freelance, it's actually really very difficult to um, truly understand people. Like I've got so many friends who, and including, say, my mum, God bless her, who just don't really think I've got a real job. Yeah, thank you. Know? <laughs> I'm sure this is so common all across the land, like people just turning up for a cup of tea or phoning and not understanding that you're on deadline, even though you said I'm on deadline, whereas they wouldn't dream of calling you in an office. So I just think having that peer support for me, um, that would be my top tip, really, because for me, it's what um, keeps me going some days. Yes. Oh, I completely agree with you. I've got certain, yeah, like your little freelance inner circle where you don't even have to often say the exact thing. You can just be like, ah, editors or ah, I don't know, lots of yes. ah, PRs. I'm trying yes. to put things outside. You know, <laughs> ah, clients. There they go. Ah, clients. You know, ah, late payments. And yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> the classic is the end of January when everyone's always going, oh, I've got to wait an extra week till payday. And I'm like, oh, payday. <laughs> Get out of my face you've got payday at least at least you know it's coming i'm like looking at my spreadsheets going oh well maybe there'll be a payday who knows it's like a payday roulette isn't it when you're freelance oh yes yeah are there any organizations that you know of that you would flag for people who might be newly diagnosed or perhaps thinking that they might they might need to talk to somebody about thinking perhaps they might have bipolar is there any organizations out there that would be helpful for people who might be listening Yes, the number one place I would always send people to is the Bipolar UK website. Yeah. Um, they've got lots of useful information there. Um, and also they've got a really active social media um, presence, yeah. a really good community of peers. Yeah. Um, because I think it can be, well, any diagnosis, isn't it? It can be really scary at first. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of self-stigma, um, there's a lot of fear and misunderstanding around. I think that is shifting slowly but surely, you know, as every um, well-known person comes out, as every um, programme, documentary, um, it's changing. Certainly when we wrote the first edition of the book in 2008, it's really changed to the recent edition in 2019 really very different in those short just a decade really mm. um how the stigma is slowly but surely lifting um but bipolar uk is the place to go 
Brilliant. So I guess yeah, there's lots more people writing, aren't there? There's a lot more narrative now. People are writing about their mental health more. So it might be that someone might find if they're also freelance, they might find a freelance writer has written about their own experience. So I guess there's looking for articles as well, perhaps. And that hadn't occurred to me until just then. But yeah, I guess a lot more people are speaking about people are tweeting about their mental health more and that kind yes. of thing. Mm. And I think lived experience is is invaluable and actually Bipolar UK um, encourage that. They have on their website a um, blog mm. and a lot of those are first person. Obviously, it's a charity with very little funding. Mm. Um, and so there's no cash to pay people. But if um, it's certainly a good way if you wanted to express yourself, which can be a healing thing in itself, mm. um, to share your lived experience there. Yeah, that's really lovely. Oh, thank you. I've got the tingles. I always get the tingles in an episode. There they are. I had them earlier as well. Oh, thank you so much. Um, Sarah, would you like to tell everybody where they can find you and the book? Now we've talked about support charities. I'd love to know if you could tell everybody um, to finish up where they can find the book, where they can find anything that you might like them to follow you on so that they can find out more about the work that you do as well as, well as the book. Well, the book is Bipolar Disorder, The Ultimate Guide by Sarah Owen and Amanda Saunders, my lovely cousin. Um, and obviously it's, you know, at all bookshops and on Amazon. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, feel free to leave a review if um, an honest review is always welcome because that helps it. Um, I don't understand Amazon's algorithms, but um, I know reviews help. Yes. Uh, yes. Out somehow. <laughs> we don't know why, but we want your reviews. Always. Yes. <laughs> so if you've got the book, do a review. If you haven't, buy it and then leave a review. Yes, please. And there's also the audio book, which oh, um, was launched last year which was um quite exciting we've got an amazing publisher one world publications um they're an independent publisher um and i always laugh when i say this but um they have actually got a couple of booker prize winners among their authors so we're among good company <laughs> brilliant oh no yeah. need to laugh that's a yeah, they're a fan. We're very, very lucky, actually. We just um, happened to stumble across a really great publisher, really lucky, really supportive. Mm. Um, and as for people finding me... Would you like them to find you? Well, I'm on Facebook as Sarah Varela. Um, so I have my complicated two name social media presence um which is a big long story but basically it's sarah varela which is v for victor a r e l a and yeah come and say hello i'd love yeah. that and that's i'm on the um number women number one freelance women's facebook group as well so ah, yes yeah member of that marvelous group my alter ego is admin of the facebook group <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, Sarah, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time, the information you shared, and I really hope this has been useful for anybody listening at any stage in their diagnosis journey or, or that of somebody they know. Um, so I really appreciate you spending the time to chat to us. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jenny. I really enjoyed it. Pleasure. Thank 
you for listening to Freelance Feels, the podcast for humans who work for themselves. I hope you've enjoyed this episode, and if you have, you can rate and review it on Apple Podcasts and follow for future episodes. You can find more about Freelance Feels at freelancefeels.com and more of my work at jennystallard.com. Freelance Feels also has a monthly newsletter, which you can sign up to at freelancefeels.substack.com. And for daily updates, follow on Instagram and Twitter at freelance underscore feels.